Hey, how-to listeners, it's Charles Duhigg. This week's episode is about a woman who's trying to figure out if she should reconcile with her father. But it's being released, as you yourself undoubtedly know, during a really difficult time, with protests happening in many cities across the country and across the world. Our show is a show that's dedicated to helping all of us become better. It's dedicated to learning how to move through this world with ethics and integrity by drawing on the lessons and strengths that we can offer one another. And I don't think anyone knows definitively how to heal the hurt that so many people are feeling right now. But an important first step is calling out injustice when we see it. And so we, the staff of How To, we wanted to acknowledge that America has a long history of racism that, that continues today. And that we believe, like many of you do, that we must never tolerate violence that's based on the color of someone's skin or on their background or their identity. We stand with those who are protesting peacefully. And like them, we believe that Black Lives Matter. And now, on to our show. Can I tell you my idea? Okay, so I'm imagining sending my dad a shoebox in the shape of a coffin of like all this memorabilia. These are the things that reminds me of you. Um, if you don't want to connect again, I understand. Please feel free to bury this coffin <laughs> of a shoebox. <laughs> Too far? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Too far, okay. <laughs> Welcome to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. We get a lot of emails on this show from listeners who are troubled by their relationships with their parents. And in previous episodes, we've helped Hema come out as gay and how to get your mom to accept you. And we gave Alan some tips for dealing with his aging dad and how to get a stubborn parent to listen. But this week, our listener isn't just trying to work through a tough problem with her father. She's trying to decide if she should keep the relationship at all. Meet Sydney, who's 27 and lives near San Francisco. My dad and I, our relationship has like gone down the drain. And now he just like doesn't talk to me. Um, and he specifically sent me a text message that says, do me a favor, lose my number. How did that make you feel? Oh, it was just like, I remember I was sitting on, on my couch, like watching TV just like on a Saturday or something and I was just like it felt like a knife had just like just through my stomach of just like gut yeah. twisting <laughs> it was it was just like oh my god that happened a year ago and Sydney hadn't heard from her dad since then but recently the pandemic prompted him to reach out with a text it said what is your status in this fiasco um and immediately I was like, oh, my God, hi. <laughs> um, but he was like, I was like, can we talk? And he's like, no, just please answer the question. Answer the above question. It was very, like, robotic. And it was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what's going on? Sydney's desperate to have some kind of relationship with her dad, or, or at least figure out if it's possible. But how does she get clarity when one day he tells her to lose his number and, and then the next he texts her to ask if she's okay? Is it worth trying to maintain this relationship or, or should she just give up and try to move on? After the break, we'll meet a family therapist who had his own broken relationship with his daughter. Stay with us. 
This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Sydney was raised by her mom in Florida, while her dad, who was an air traffic controller, was always moving around, occasionally popping onto Sydney's radar. And she says for the first part of her life, she mostly has good memories. So my dad moved to San Francisco uh, when I was younger, and I have like a lot of memories of us going through Golden Gate Park and just like going to the Japanese tea garden and like the California Academy of Science. And I have this like very distinct memory of like finding a stick and then like pretending to be an old person. I'm like, Dad, look, I'm an old person. <laughs> and like, <laughs> um, and he even has a picture of that. And the time that he took me to the Exploratorium is really like what I remember the most. It like really helped me get to where I am. Like I, I literally work there now. Um, so it like really helped me get to where I am. Sydney says her dad was always into tinkering and he, and he taught her a lot about engineering, but he could also be short tempered and controlling. And Sydney admits that sometimes she didn't react as well as she could have. Over time, their relationship got progressively worse. So I had just graduated high school and we were all going to my grandmother's house um, for like a dinner. And since my dad lived like 10 minutes away, he was carpooling with my mom and I. And he started telling me in the car, like, I want you to connect your bank account with mine so I can like control what you're spending. My mom, who was driving, was like, you don't have to do that. Like, you can have control of your own money. And my dad was like, oh, you don't want to be a loser like your mom. And then we were like about to get on the highway. And she just like pulled over and was like, get out of my car and uh, kicked him out of the car. Um, like that was the last time they spoke to each other. Sydney eventually went off to college and she tried to stay in touch with her dad with with mixed success. When she graduated, she moved to San Francisco in, in part to be closer to him. That's also where her stepfather's family was living, which eventually became a source of tension with her dad. And so they 
invited me to go to Christmas dinner with them. And my dad was like really offended by that. And he was like, they're not even your blood family. Like you have, you should spend Christmas with me because I'm your blood family. Um, and I was like, well, can I just spend like a few days before or after Christmas with you? He was not happy with that. And what does the rest of your family say? Like when you say to your mom or your grandma, you know, that you want to have this relationship or that your dad has cut you off. What do they tell you? My grandmother says that he's a psychopath. um, And she's like, that is not your responsibility. Like you're just, you're just being a young adult, like doing what young adults do. Do you think she's right? I want to think she's right. But I also still put the blame on myself that um, I am the reason why, like that I'm, I'm the one who, who screwed up the whole relationship. Yeah. Let me ask, I mean, it's, it sounds like your dad is a very complicated guy and that, that you would be well within your rights to say, I, I, I'm just going to write him off. I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, what do I actually want from my relationship with my dad? Because I don't want to be a person who has to write off their family members. I I just don't want to do it. I don't want to be that person. Um, I was talking with one of my friends who was having a baby, and she was like, I just hope that this baby thinks that I'm cool when they grow up. And I was like, wow, like... I want my dad to know that I think he's cool and that I appreciate him. And I, I don't want to not share life with him anymore. It's heartbreaking to hear how much Sydney wants to repair her relationship with her dad and how little he seems to care about it. And our expert this week, he knows a lot about this kind of heartbreak, about what a broken family relationship feels like. My name is Joshua Coleman. I'm a psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. Josh has studied and worked with parents who are estranged from their children for a long time. He's written one of the leading books on the topic called When Parents Hurt. And he has a personal stake in understanding this kind of dysfunction. Because after he went through a divorce and he remarried, his own daughter stopped talking to him for years. You know, when you remarry and have children, um, it's not uncommon for for the child of the prior marriage to feel displaced or less important. And I don't think I did a particularly good job of um, helping her to feel as prized and prioritized. And so I think there was a period of time in her uh, 20s where she was reflecting back on that. And did she cut off communication with you? She did, yeah, for several years. So, um, yeah. And how did you you work to repair that? I mean, of course, initially, I just tried to prove her wrong, <laughs> just tried to tell her all the ways that I was there for her, which, of course, didn't go anywhere. And, um, you know, and over time, I learned that that I really wasn't uh, empathizing or attending what, to what she was saying. So I, you know, eventually was able to dig past my own defenses, which is a hard thing to do, um, but to just sort of sit with her feelings and accept it and reflect on it. Um, what do you wish you had said? Like, what's the right thing to say in, in that situation? Uh, the right thing is to, is to really find the kernel of truth in the child's feelings. And even if you can't recognize it, to say, well, it's clear that I had significant blind spots at the time, that I didn't see how much pain you were in, um, and that I didn't know how unhappy you were. 
Um, so I think that that is the right thing to say. What was the aha moment? Like when when did you have the breakthrough that you were you were doing this wrong? I think I was having dinner with her and her talking about um, her, um, you know, feeling like neglected and um, my facing that and accepting it um, and crying with her in the restaurant. Yeah. What did you say to her during that dinner? I'm so sorry. You're right. I, I, you're, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I did, I did drop the ball. I, it was my responsibility to be there for you. Um, and I didn't. What did she do that helped you change? Well, I think not talking to me for a period of time certainly woke my ass up. Um, you know, it made me feel like, okay, this is serious. You know, this isn't like something you can just sort of defend or explain away. This is, um, you know, this is a very serious protest on her part. So you better dig deeper into your soul and psyche here and come up with something a little better than what you're doing. Can Sydney reach the same peace with her dad that Josh found with his daughter? Or are some relationships, no matter how important they are, just not worth the hurt? We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. We're back with our listener, Sydney, and our expert, Josh Coleman, who have both experienced some really challenging parent-child dynamics. So for, for Sydney, what advice do we have for her? I mean, it, it's a different situation, right? Because in your case, you were the father and your daughter cutting off communication sort of told you that like you weren't fulfilling your responsibility. Right. But for Sydney, Sydney's the daughter. Like it's not her job to be the more mature one in this relationship. It's not her job. Right. <laughs> it's a parent's responsibility. I 100% agree with you. But, but yeah. obviously just saying that to her dad, that's not going to work. No. That's just going to push him away even more. I agree. So how should Sydney think about this? I mean, the interesting thing for me listening is that so much in my in my practice is based around um, parents who want a closer relationship with the adult child, and they're really willing to walk through fire to to connect with their adult child, and they would kill to have a daughter like you, Sydney. You know, the fact that your father says to you, do me a favor and 
lose my number. I mean, to me, that's, that's unacceptable. So I would want you to be really deeply grounded in the fact that this isn't your fault, that you deserve to be loved, that, that you do not deserve to be mistreated in this way. And it is a mistreatment, unfortunately, um, before really reaching out to him. Here's our first rule. If you're in a situation like this, it's important not to internalize how your parents or, or your kids are treating you. You can't look to someone who's angry to determine your own self-worth. And for Sydney, it's really her dad's job to be more mature, to be the parent. If he can't do that, she shouldn't beat herself up over his failing. Sometimes parents are able to do a reasonable job when their children are young and, and more dependent and have a harder time when their children um, are more independent. I mean, I can remember feeling jealous of my daughter when she would go to her stepfather's house. Um, but the way those things are communicated really matter. So if he were to have said to you something like, oh, sweetheart, I could feel so jealous when you go there, but yeah, okay. You know, we can, you know, I understand you're close to your mm. stepfather or their family. They've been good to you. But yeah, let's definitely make sure that you and I get time. You would say, great, no problem, right? But he doesn't put it that way. He makes it seem like you're bad, you know, you're being difficult, you're being selfish. So I want to make sure you're kind of aware of that. Wow. Um, I agree that I I definitely need to work on, like, my self-esteem and self-grounding. I mean, for for people who are listening, because I imagine that there's some of our listeners who who are in a similar situation to Sydney, but there's probably people listening who, for instance, are have similar situations with a child that they're trying to make a connection with and the child keeps rebuffing them. Yeah. Like if we step back and sort of say like a, a general principle, what is the first thing that we ought to do when we're trying to make a connection with someone who who doesn't seem like they want a connection with us? Yeah, no, it's a really important question. It's really important to lead with what you like, value, love, or appreciate about the parent because we as parents are just all walking wounded and <laughs> are going to be very defensive about any any kind of, and I know this from my personal experience, obviously, from you know any intimation that we've failed our children or let them down. So I think if you start the conversation by saying, look, Dad, I really miss the ways that we were close and you are a great dad in the following ways, because the goal in these situations is to not create defensiveness. As soon as you've created defensiveness, the game is over. You might as well just pack up your bags and go. So, I mean, Sydney might say, I'm certainly open to listening to what you would like to see different from me. Josh, did, did your daughter ever do that with you? Was that part of... She did. You know, she she more recently said that she knew that, that she had her own issues when she was growing up and that there were challenges that she brought to the table that... Um, that probably made it hard for me and that um, she also empathized with the period of time where she wasn't in contact with me. And as a mother herself now, she could see how how heartbreaking that would be. And so, yeah. Sydney, if you did go to your dad and you tried to lead with what you value about him and start with vulnerability and empathy, what would you say? Um, I would be like... Hey, Dad, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the good times that we've had and it's been looking through the picture albums that you've given me over the years 
and the mixtapes that mm. you've made for me. And I just wanted to thank you for those good times because they were like, they're still like the times in my life that I point to that I remember just being so happy and I just want to let you know that I appreciate you and I think you're really cool and I think all the things that you do are really cool and I think that you're really talented mechanically and mathematically and I I think that like a lot of of me as I am now is very similar to you and when I when I'm building something or fixing something I think of all the times <laughs> that you dragged me along and I thought it was boring but I now realize that it was for the ultimate vision that you had of this thing that you were building and now I understand your dad is so lucky to have a daughter like you I mean, what parent would, you know, it would be an absolute tragedy if your father, you did say that to him and he wasn't moved to tears of gratitude. I mean, it was so beautifully put and so poignant and he's just should only feel proud of you and such deep, profound love. And so, um, so yeah, I would, I would pray that, <laughs> that, that, that kind of an outpouring would would move him. Um, I would probably want you to say, um, and I miss you, and I want us to find a way to connect in a different or a better way, um, you know, so we can think about having a, a relationship together or a better relationship. Josh often tells his patients to write a letter to whoever they're estranged from, acknowledging all the ways that they've let the other person down and saying, I, I'm sorry for the past. I, I can't change it but I want to work with you to make tomorrow better. It's important not to make anyone feel defensive. And that's actually our second rule. Start by telling the other person all the things that they've done right. When we tell someone how much we appreciate them and what we want in the future, rather than how we've been wronged in the past, that's when we open up possibilities. What if Sydney sends a... Uh, a letter to him, and instead of reacting negatively or not reacting at all, what if her dad just sends back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay would be, and from my reckoning, uh, it would be some version of a positive response. I mean, I would, at that point, then I would say, okay, well, good, how about we plan a visit or you know, let's think about a way to communicate differently with each other so that these things don't keep happening. I mean, I would up my level of of requests or demands at that point if I got an okay. And let's say he doesn't respond. What do you think she should do next? Does she do it again and again? No, she doesn't. Um, I mean, um, you know, I, I don't think that adult children are obligated to keep trying no matter how terribly they're being treated. It's not healthy for her to keep kind of, you know, trying to get water from that dry well. It's not only dry, it's kind of poisonous to her well-being because she, the, the consequence of it is that she ends up feeling unloved and unlovable and blaming herself, which is both terrible and undeserving. 
Mm-hmm. Sydney, how do, how do you feel about that? I have noticed that since he texted me from the coronavirus pandemic, I've been sort of feeling a sense of resolve. Like, oh, like I finally got the thing that I wanted was him to just text me back. And and so like a thing that my mom has always told me was that he'll try to contact you when he's dying, like on his deathbed, like Steve Jobs did to his daughter. Mm. My mom always tells mm-hmm. me that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like, but that's like sad. I'm like, well, I don't want that. Like receiving that text message during the coronavirus has been validating that like I'm not unlovable and has also helped to like lessen the desire to keep reaching out and like keep texting. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done all that I could. Do you think you're going to be able to sit with that and live with that? Yeah, I think I I think I will now. I don't think that I I was able to say I would have been able to say that last year, but I think now I can say that And I think I can say that because of, like, the work that I've done in in going through gratitude Mm. of, like, appreciating what he's done Mm. for me. That's great. Um, And then, and also, like, the sense that, like, my, when my mom and other family saying that they didn't expect him to, like, be part of my life, that feels significant, um, that you were sort of prepared for it by other family members to, that, that this mm-hmm. could happen, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Here's our next rule. It's sad, but you may have to manage your own expectations. That heartfelt letter that you send, it may be met with just a simple okay instead of what you're hoping to hear. Or it may not be answered at all. And so it's important to check in with your other family members and the people who love you to help you set realistic expectations about what's going to happen so that you won't be devastated if things don't work out. Josh, let me ask you, when do you think it's best for Sydney or or anyone else who's struggling with a parent-child relationship just to say, like, it's just not going to work? I've done everything I should have. It's okay for me to walk away. Yeah, it's probably one of the most difficult questions that either side is is faced with. I mean, I think in general, um, um, you know, I mean, I recommend that people try for a few years if they have it in them, if it's not making them feel more depressed or anxious. I don't think... People also have to make these decisions forever. Maybe it's possible at some other point in my life. I don't know, but I'm not going to keep trying to to have a relationship with somebody who's making it impossible. And then at the end of the year, you can kind of think about where you are and whether or not it makes sense to reach out. Yeah, it, in a way, that's what like my dad did to me, where he just like didn't talk to me for a year, um, and it seems like perhaps he just like needed that space and I was just like not able to give that space to him and so perhaps that's what I should also be doing here's our last rule sometimes the space everyone needs lasts the rest of your life 
If trying to repair this relationship is causing you too much pain, it's okay to let it go. Josh says that roughly four out of every five parent-child relationships he tries to mend are eventually healed. But that's still 20% of cases where it doesn't work, where parents and kids just keep on hurting each other. And in situations like that, you may have to try as best you can to mourn and remember the relationship, but let it go and move on. I feel like a whole weight is sort of lifted off of me Hmm. um, and thinking about him. And especially because it, it turns, it turns it away from like me victimizing myself to like, just being appreciative of, of the times that were uh, instead of like, my dad doesn't talk to me. Like I'm a victim. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it it feels better to not be, like, it doesn't feel good to feel like a victim. No. And it it feels better to just feel appreciative. Um, I really, I really admire and respect that. I think it's such a healthy, healthy way to think about this, Sydney. I think it's really great. Thank you. You know, Father's Day is coming up. Mm -hmm. What is your plan now? What are you, what are you going to do? So I think... What I'll do is I'll send him a mixtape and like have a, a self-recording on there of like, I made you this mixtape and here's what it reminds me of. And I just wanted to thank you. Um, what song would you put on your mixtape? Oh, um, this is probably not like a great symbolic song to present to him, but it's like funny because of like the memories that it has. So the song, You're So Vain. <laughs> like, I used to say, You're So Bane. And, like, it was just, like, a funny thing that he remembers. So I, I don't know if I should send that, but I, I'll think of some other songs. That, that one might like, not be the best one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just as an outsider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, maybe some Doors and Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Sydney for sharing her story with us and to Josh Coleman for his amazing advice. Make sure to look for his new book out this fall, Rules of Estrangement, Why Adult Children Cut Ties and How to Heal the Conflict. If you're listening to this show and you're thinking to yourself, I have a problem that I need help with, send us a note at howtoatslate.com and we'll do everything we can to try and help. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is our senior managing producer, and Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Kevin Bendis. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening. <laughs>